Welcome to the WPC Sermons Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, titled, Are We Keeping Our Promises? and is part of our sermon series, Questions for the Church. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. Scripture reading today from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, now as we have received your word, we pray that you would add your Holy Spirit's power now that it might be the word of life to those who hear and believe today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to start this morning with a little congregational participation. Uh, I want to ask you a question today. How many of you received a handwritten note in the past week? Any piece of handwritten mail? A few people around? Yeah, around the sanctuary. Doesn't happen very much anymore, does it? In the world of emails and texts and every other mode of communication, the handwritten note is one that is often uh, neglected by us. I got one piece of handwritten mail this week. It was from a young woman who's a PhD student at Emory, who was a part of our church at Claremont. I'm doing her wedding next year. But she sent me a note uh, to, to to say thank you for the ministry that we had there. She was someone who hadn't been in a church since she was 12 years old, but came to Claremont and was reconnected with God in that place and wanted to thank me for doing their wedding next year. It's a beautiful thing to receive a note, a personal handwritten note. One of the great letter writers of all time that in my experience is my grandmother. She died in 2008 at the age of 94. She was from Columbus, Mississippi. In her self-described rambling letters where she talked about everything from changing leaves to blueberry bushes to lunch at the Methodist church, she usually included clips from the newspaper as well, usually about Wake Forest sports, and she really liked Tim Duncan. But there were two phrases that always were repeated in her letters, one near the beginning and one near the end. And one at the beginning was always, she said, I thank God every day for my many blessings. And then near the end of the salutation, she would write, and oh, and I am so very proud of you. Those two phrases are a legacy of my grandmother's faith that she passed on to me and to my brothers as well and to our family. I know what my grandmother was about and it's embodied in those two phrases. 
Those are generational legacies that I really strive to live up to and I will carry forward in my own life as a reminder of who we are. This morning we're asking another question of the church and the question is, are we keeping our promises? What promises, you ask? Particularly we're talking this morning about the promises that we make in baptism. And specifically in that place of children that are brought in baptism, infants even. And we ask you to take vows in that place. We ask the parents to take vows. We ask you to take vows as a congregation. We ask this question, do you as the people of Westminster Presbyterian Church and the Church of Jesus Christ promise to guide and nurture this child by word and deed with love and prayer? encouraging them to know and follow Jesus Christ and be faithful members of his family. And everyone says, we do, right? But what does that look like in real life? How do we flesh that out as the family of God? Jesus held a uniquely beautiful place for children. Remember when his disciples were tr- knew he was really busy with the grown-ups and they were trying to keep the kids away from him? What did Jesus say? Let the little children come unto me, for the kingdom of God belongs to ones like this, to the children. The value that Jesus and the early church in turn placed on the lives of children were revolutionary in those days. Children were little more than property to their families for much of the near Middle East. But those children who could not care for themselves were deeply loved and cared for by Christ and later by his church. So how do we value ministry to children and in turn their families here in 2021? One of the primary ways that we do that is we invest. We invest resources in that ministry. The Randolph Road project out here, which you should take a look at, see the progress that's going on. Dirt is moving. Things are coming into place and being put in the ground as well. We're upgrading that so that kids can have a safe and fun place to learn and to grow together for the next 20 years. We invest by hiring great staff to work with our kids and their families. Jennifer Boyd does an incredible job of creative ministry that helps kids grow in their relationship with Jesus. We invest with programs, programs like Vacation Bible School that's coming this week, not just for ourselves, but so that we can invite all people, all children in particular, to life in Christ, live together for the sake of others. But the next step is one that many of you have already taken. It involves investing ourselves in forming relationships that cross generations, to really be a family one with another in this household of God. It's investing ourselves in a way that is embodied in the words from Psalm 145 this morning, one generation shall praise your works to another. The good news that we convey, the invitation that we give is to live together is to be a part of the body of Christ and the family of God here. And that is what the Christian faith is. And this church in particular is suited, I believe, to embody that as only a church can. Psalm 145 is the testimony of King David that he wanted read to the generations that would come after him. 
The great king writing this letter confessed that there was another king who was greater than he was, and that was the God of heaven. He had a psalm of praise. I will praise you, my God and king, he writes, because there's one who rules over all creation. This is David's enduring testimony to those who would follow him in his family and in the nation of Israel at large. Why would he praise the Lord so publicly? Because God's greatness is unsearchable. The prophet Isaiah heard the word from God that said, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's what David is saying here, right? God's ways are higher than mine. God's thoughts are higher than mine. The height and breadth and depth of God's word blows David's mind. And there's not a formula or a postulate or a theory that can contain the thoughts of God. There's not a number high enough or even a symbol which can mean enough to stand in God's place. The ancient Israelites would not even write the name of God for fear of idolatry in their own lives. But even though he can never completely know God, he does meditate on God's word and the works of God as he deeply as he can. It gives new meaning to words like majesty and holiness and awesomeness and goodness and fame. I knew a pastor once who installed a series of fines in his home for his children whenever they used the word awesome for anything besides God. Charles Spurgeon writes about this psalm and he calls it a tradition of praise. He writes this, there shall be a tradition of praise. They shall make it a point to instruct the descendants in this holy exercise. Let us see to it that we praise God in front of our children, for each generation shall contribute its chapter, and together they shall compose the volume of matchless character. I love that Spurgeon says there, each one shall praise in front of our children. Not just that we should talk about God in front of our children, but we should praise God in front of our children as well. We worship God in the presence of our children because that is what they will truly notice. That is what they will remember and take with them throughout their lives. Not just the words that we speak, but to to what we give honor and praise in our lives. When David talks about the works that God has done, he's referring to two sets of God's work. The first is God's work in creation. And we see the power of God's creation all around us. The beautiful state of North Carolina, you go from the Smoky Mountains in the west to the ocean in the east, and everywhere in between see the mighty creative hand of God. All that he has done, forget about the rest of the world, right? In our home state, We have so much that points us to the one who created it all. God did that. Great are his works. The other set of God's works are the redemptive acts in the lives of his people. David remembered the things that God had done for his people. The story that they told over and over and over and over again is the story of God rescuing them from slavery, taking them through the Red Sea and bringing them to the promised land. That was the story for which they praised God over and over again. 
God had never abandoned them. He had promised to them that he would be their God and they would be his people and he had been faithful in that promise. And over and over again, God calls on his people to praise his mighty deeds of redemption for his children. In Deuteronomy, we see in multiple places, particularly in chapter six, when your children ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes of the ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your children, when we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that he had promised to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all his statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good, so to keep us alive as is now the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment before the Lord, we will be in the right. God did that. God brought us out of Egypt. God delivered us through the Red Sea in the wilderness and brought us to the promised land. God did that. That's not just a statement of fact, it's a statement of praise of public praise passed from generation to generation of what God has done. Turn to somebody next to you and say, God did that. You are speaking praise to one another. And that's what we're called to do. The portion, however, of this passage this morning that I think is especially relevant and challenging for us is verse four. One generation shall praise your works to another. In his sermon on this psalm, John Piper said this, it does not say one generation shall merely teach your works to another, it says one generation shall praise your works to another. He goes on, teachers and parents do not, who do not exalt over God in their teaching will not bring about exaltation in God. Dry, unemotional, indifferent teaching about God whether at home or church, is a half-truth at best. It says one thing about God and portrays another. It's inconsistent. It says that God is great, but does not act as though God is great. Christianity is more than just right thinking about the kingdom. It is right feeling about the kingdom and right allegiance to the kingdom. Hear this sentence. It is not just education about following Jesus. It is exaltation in following Jesus together. Our teaching must be embodied in our lives. Our relationships show what we have said to be true. I think this is challenging because it asks us a vital question. What is it that we are praising that our children will remember in the next generation? Are we keeping the promise that we do make at baptism as a church family? When your children are asked what your family is like, what would they say? If someone asked more to the point, what does your family love? What would be the description? And the question comes to us as a church family at Westminster as well. What if our students were asked, what is your church like? What does your church love? What would their response be? Are we known as a people who praise the great deeds of God from one generation to another? Or are we known as people who proclaim the greatness of our community? 
Are we known as those who praise the splendor of the kingdom of God, or are we simply known as nice folks? I think of a family who I recently knew, and they had gone to Florida as a family on vacation on a hurricane relief trip. And I said, I hope that trip for your family is a memorial Ebenezer that that will be remembered for generations to come. Anybody can go to Disney World or Cancun, right? Even we did that this year. But who is it that would take their vacation time and resources and go to a place of great need as a family? Because this is who we are. This is what we do. This family is learning about what it means to praise the mighty acts of God to one another. As I've shared with you before, my earliest memories of my life are my brothers and me sitting on my mom's bed as she read Bible stories to us, and then we would kneel around that bed in prayer. And I believe I learned more about God and about myself on my knees around my parents' bed than maybe I have in all the years since. The family is the forming center of a child's life. The church has the privilege to come alongside of that and to make a promise that these aren't just your kids, these are ours too. And we're gonna do everything we can to help them grow as disciples of Jesus. As a church, we make these baptismal vows about passing on the faith of Jesus Christ from one generation to the next. But how do we keep that vow? How do we live it out? Do we teach the next generation with our words and with our lives about the unsearchable greatness of God? Do we praise God out loud and in front of them so that they will know that this is our devotion in life? Do they witness us praising God? Do we praise God together? God calls us to do so. For to do less would transmit a portion of the gospel which is no gospel at all. We do this by cultivating these personal relationships generation to generation, lived together as we say in our vision statement by knowing the names of children in this church family and them knowing ours. That is the way we pass on the faith from generation to generation. And so it is not just about volunteering in the nursery, though we should all take a turn at that. And in Sunday school, I'm not good at teaching Sunday school. You'll be fine, they're second graders. What could possibly go wrong? We should each fulfill the vows that we make, not just with our checks, but with our flesh and blood gifts, by knowing the names of these children as surely as God knows their names, by making sure they know ours, so that when they come home from college or from adult life, they say, this is my church home. This is the cradle where I was nurtured to love Jesus. We speak truth from generation to generation. And what it boils down to is something that was illustrated for me just this week by our three-year-old daughter, Sarah. Now, she is a handful. 
She knows she is cute, and that is a problem. But we spent a lot of time together this week because she was sick, and she was just pitiful for a few days. And those were long days with the kids. But as I was putting her to bed one night, and I leaned over to kiss her, she took her two little hands and she put them on my face. And she said, Daddy, don't forget your secret. What's my secret? I love you. She went on to say, and I love rainbows and unicorns. (laughs) But the point had been made. What we do as a family of God is say, don't forget your secret. I saw you baptized. I was there. Don't forget your secret that God loves you and you belong to him above all else. From generation to generation, that is the truth, and that is the grace that we witness in baptism, and it is the grace that seals us in eternal life in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I encourage you to find someone this week who needs to remember their secret, to remember that God loves them, to remember that they belong to God, and even as we come to baptize more children to the glory of God in this place, May we live up to the promises that we make. May we establish relationships with our little kids as well as our middle and high school students that this would be a family for them that praises the good deeds of God from one generation to the next so that they too may be a generation of praise and pass that along. Let us pray. Lord, so may it be that we are part of a legacy of praise. Not just talking about you to one another, but talking to you and praising you above all else. Praising you together, Lord God, for you have done wonderful things. You have done mighty things. You created all things from nothing, and yet you have set your eye and affection on your children and called us to be brothers and sisters in Christ. You have sent your Holy Spirit that we might be drawn to you and drawn together as your family. And we pray, God, today that you would extend this family to others who need you, that our eyes would be open to those in our community who do not know you, but you desperately love them. So, God, we do pray for our children. We pray for the children of this congregation as they come to Bible school this week. Would you meet them here? Would you compel them to follow you? We pray for those visitors that are going to be here as well, that you would compel them to come in to your kingdom through this family of faith. We pray today, God, for our middle school students, our high school students for our college students, Lord, for the ones who are growing up here even as we speak. We pray, God, that we would be family to one another, that we would speak your praise to one another even as we live as your family here on this corner. We thank you for the gift of your grace, God, to make us part of your family. May we keep our promises to you and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. 
If you'd like to find out more about our church or view video of the full service, visit our website, westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.